And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. How's it going, man? I'm trying to make some adjustments, make a few changes in my in my life. Can we figure out how to get a billion people to listen to this podcast? I mean, we've had a couple million listen to it, so I guess we're a part of the way there, but I guess it's only a, a small portion of a B. We're yeah, still we working with an M. Adjust, adjust our strategy for full world domination. Yeah, I think that's exactly what we should talk about. Now, you know, this is the 34th part of our 52-part series about how to start a tech company. And we've gone through a lot of the parts about building the tech and uh, getting to market. And, you know, we we created this go-to-market strategy. And now we've sat back and looked at the results. And we got $2 million out of a billion. So, like you said, we've got to make some adjustments. Now, before we get too far into making adjustments, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by fullscale.io helping you build a software team quickly and affordably that's an adjustment that a lot of people are being forced to make because the world is really short on software developers and it's made the market pretty tough but fullscale will help you get it done quickly and affordably all right so marketing plans and adjustments in general like where do we start well, our last episode was about go-to-market strategies and, and stuff. We've been covering that. And I think uh, for those of you who are listening to this episode, if you didn't listen to that episode, I would definitely go back and listen to how uh, we talk about different go-to-market strategies and traction channels and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think the key today, right, is is once you pick one of those, you got to figure out if it works. And if it doesn't work, how do you adjust? Yeah. Well, you know, adjustments come in a lot of shapes and forms. I mean, they could, I mean, I mean, that's literally like when I say, where do we start? Cause it's that broad. I mean, it depends on the marketing plan you have in general. Um, sometimes the best adjustment that you can make to a marketing plan or campaign is legitimately just turning it off. <laughs> I mean, well, and that's true. Sometimes you're just burning money. Right. And yeah, you know, we, we always joked when I worked at Vin Solutions about car dealers because everybody would go to a car dealer and tell them like, you can buy my thing and you'll sell two more cars a month and you can buy my thing and you'll sell more cars a month and you'll buy my thing and you'll sell more cars a month. And we would always joke was like, what if the car dealer did none of those, literally took the sign off the building, how many cars would they still sell? Man, right. that's a good question. That's a good question because I mean, on some levels, there's there's a zillion things that'll that'll market you. I mean, and everybody like, will promise yeah. you everything. Yeah, like I'll give you an example. I the I, I ha- owned a Ford truck in the past. I bought it from a Ford dealer, and I just Googled Ford dealers, and Google told me which one was closer to me. That didn't require uh, anything. That's it didn't require. Simple. Yeah, it didn't require any ads. I didn't see a newspaper. I didn't see any of that. You know, you talk about the changes and 
the, the full page newspaper ad was not required to get me in. But, you know, I mean, overall, I think when it comes to a marketing plan or strategy or any of that, if you ask when it needs adjusting or revising, maybe the answer is regularly, um, you know, there, a, and that's a nonstop fine tuning, right? Right. Yeah. And that's another thing too, is, you know, the, so ads go stale. I mean, things that, things that worked, uh, one month begin to slow the next month. And, you know, I think it depends on your audience size and, you know, so I don't know if there's a blanket answer for when does a marketing plan or strategy need adjusting or revising. Um, it's usually not daily. Uh, I think no. you can drive yourself crazy doing that. So, I mean, so the next question is, I mean, so how do we make adjustments? Well, to, to follow up on your point, though, some of it is definitely seasonal or event-based, right? Like, oh, we're doing a bunch of marketing because it's Christmas or Black Friday or, or whatever, right? So, and another example of this is at Netrio. Um, one of our competitors had um, a huge hacking thing go on. And so we did some different marketing around what happened to one of our competitors, right? And then eventually, maybe that kind of wears off, right? And it's like, okay, now we got to figure out a different marketing message, right? Like, it's just kind of never ending. And and some of it's just completely weird event-based or seasonal stuff too. It's not so much that the, the message isn't working. It's just like, it only worked for a certain amount of time because of other factors going on. Well, and, and some of that too is also the size of people that the size of the audience that you're advertising to. We talked about that in the last episode, yeah. you know, and using full scale as an example. So there was like uh, something like 10,000 chief technology or chief information officers that have their job title showing on Facebook. That's a really small yeah. advertising size. So like if you think about it, even if you were showing a thousand impressions a day, 10 days later, maybe everybody's seen it, you're getting close to it. So how many times do people see it before it just kind of, I don't know, I, I, I see blind. a lot of that. Yeah, I see a lot of that on Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm like, wow, this ad again, again, yeah. again, again. Now here's the thing is maybe, maybe that's what it takes in some of those cases because maybe it's the eighth impression that finally gets the click and that's what they're looking for. But I mean, overall, that's usually not a good thing. So, you know, I noticed the same thing from anything from promoting this podcast to full scale to advertising for employees, uh, the cost per click and the cost for conversion uh, usually rises over time for that very reason. Yeah, you get the low hanging fruit and then everybody else is kind of left and you just keep hammering away at them, but they never respond. Right. So one of the ways to make an adjustment is to move that same ad that was successful uh, to one group and try it on different uh, audience sizes. So I do that a lot actually with this podcast. So just kind of moving it around. There's a lot of very interesting built-in technology to really all social platforms at this point too, which lets you do things like create lookalike audiences or expand, like let their AI show ads to people or you know groups or whatever that are very similar to the people that have successfully clicked or follow you or do whatever i mean and sometimes adjustments are as simple as as letting the very sophisticated ai at google make some changes but that can also run that can also that can also not go well too yeah you know so i i honestly i, I find it to be very interesting because i can start an ad the same ad to a ver to the same audience and 
if they're in different campaigns, like an A and B, like one of them will, will be hands down, like twice as good as the other one. And I can't really explain why, because if it's this, if it's a similar audience, like why is this one converting at such a high rate? And, you know, I mean, I think some of what you need to think about when it comes to making adjustments is also looking at like, what are we measuring? Well, and the other challenge you have is, do you have enough data that it's even statistically relevant, right? You're like, oh, I did $100 worth of ads on Facebook and I got three clicks. Like, well, if you got two or four, it's going to dramatically change your statistics, yeah. right? Like, True. It's not, there's not enough statistic relevance to it. And it might have been you testing the ad also. <laughs> right. So it, some of that is just really difficult, right? Like, and, and to your point earlier too, like you also run the ad for a week or two and it's like whoever was going to respond to the ad has already responded to it and the other people just keep ignoring it. So it's, some of that is just so it's so difficult. But the one thing that you talk about a lot in in previous episodes, right, is it's all about test, test, test. It's A B testing and continue to test things and figure out how to improve it. And that goes in your your marketing message, but it also goes on things like our website, right? Like, oh, if we change this call to action or we change the different ads like on our site, different messaging. I mean, that's why you got people that spend like crazy amounts of money testing the color of buttons and crap like that. But that's only really relevant too when you've got an astronomical amount of traffic. Again, if you've only got a hundred people that come to your website, it's so hard to statistically get relevance out of it. Well, you know, we like to use real life examples. And recently I made some changes just to the to the full scale website and the full scale blog that just funneled people in a different way and just kind of pushed them towards the result that we wanted. And really in the end, when it comes to making adjustments, like, okay, so what's your goal? Is your goal like if you're an online store, your goal is to make a sale? Right. If you are a SaaS platform, your goal is to get maybe to get people into a free trial, but none of it matters until you've created a, either a, a buyer of some sort. So, I mean, I think all of your adjustments should be centric around the buyer, you know, and, and, and if that's, if you're looking at other stuff and this, it's really easy to get off track with this, you know, people will, will get obsessed with likes or views or impressions, but really in the end, like, unless you're in the, unless you're like Eric Perkins from startup hustle TV, who literally gets paid for views and subscribes and stuff yeah. like that on YouTube, then none of that shit matters unless you're converting. So, you know, I mean, the conversions need to be the guide and, and it's the almighty dollar and you know where you're creating it and then you know another thing too is i think as a business you well matt talk a little bit about some of the crazy the crazy money that that software startups put into getting and gaining customers and clients because it's like it when you look at it it just it's kind of like mind it's like mind numbing and all of that you're like wow like you're willing to pay that much for a user well, and, and, and that's for sure one of the big differences here, right, is what does your company sell? Is it an enterprise sell that's a big ticket or are you selling something, you know, you're like Netflix and I get $10 a month and it's like, okay, I know my customer acquisition costs are so high, but I'm still sending out all these ads, you know, putting flyers and mailboxes. And when somebody signs up, it'll take like a year for us to actually be profitable on the customer, right? Um, because at Netflix, it was, you know, 10 bucks a, a month back then or whatever. But um, that's totally different if it's a large enterprise sale, right? If if you're selling a product that's $100,000 a year, sure, your cost per click and lead gen costs and stuff like that can be a lot higher. 
And you're absolutely right about that. And then also with certain types of startup startups, it's a race to grab market share, right? Like when Uber came out, the, the you know, they want to focus on being first to market before Lyft or somebody else gets to market, right? So they're willing to spend a lot more money just to get market share and buy market share at that point. And one of the things that was always funny uh, to me at, at Stackify, um, we'd have competitors that would have like full-size billboard style ads, like in the airports, like you'd get off the plane and there'd be a giant, you know, thing on the wall about app dynamics or whatever. And it's like, this is a weird place to put an ad or new relic actually had billboards along the highway um, in Silicon Valley. Um, and so people, people do some interesting things and sometimes it's, it's just them trying to buy the market, right? They're trying to get market share because yeah, customer acquisition may be cost or maybe high, but every time they sign up a new customer, their company's worth 50 times, whatever the annual revenue was. Right. So then they're going to go raise more money and, and it's just like a, a VC shell game where customer acquisition costs don't matter because your revenue multiples are stupid. Like it's just kind of a whole different game that's outside of reality to me and, and it is outside reality it feels like it but there is something to be said about the being first to market i'll give you an example yeah. i've never used lyft i used I uber have. like a long time ago and it's always treated me well i've never really had a reason to use anything different it's on my phone it's got my card in it like i just don't really care it works yeah. now on the flip side of that you like the food delivery thing i finally uh, three, three apps later have fallen in love with DoorDash, you know, cause it's just, and now I get, um, and I won't throw the others under the bus, but you know, I had one that I ordered three different times and two of the three times I didn't even get my complete order. Yeah. You know, and so that wasn't working for me. So I moved down the line, you know, and so, it, I mean, I think that the question is, is how long is that user or that customer going to stay a customer? Right. You know, now it, in Lifetime the, in value the is a key component. Right. And the theory of being first, I didn't ever see an Uber ad. I remember this was a long time ago and I was just, someone was like, Hey, we'll take an Uber. I was like, what's that? Yeah. You know, and we did, I was like, Oh, this is really cool. This is really neat. And then I ended up putting it on my phone like the next day and got a ride with it. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. But so there's something to be said about the virality of, of being first and getting yeah. that out there. Cause in some things like, well, the gigabook is a good example. So, you know, with gigabook, you're using our users are taking in, you know, taking appointments and doing other stuff and you get notifications, reminders and stuff like that from Gigabook. There's some internal advertising that occurs the from the effect. actual, right. The network effect. And you know, that can be powerful too. So if you're trying to stir that up, I mean, who knows what the value is now, if you're selling a physical product, um, there's, there's a lot of different things. So you see a lot of com competition for like subscription boxes and stuff right. like that. That's a recurring sale that goes on over and over again. Now, long before I did any of the stuff that I did, I want sold pianos. And I've mentioned that before. That's like for most people, a one-time purchase, right? But it was a huge purchase. It was a big dollar. Like you buy a grand piano, it can be 50, $60,000 and the margins were good. And the, the, so, you know, we would sometimes spend a, a hell of a lot of money getting people yeah. in, but we had absolutely no expectation of return business, maybe yeah. a referral, but no one was coming. I mean, very rarely, now people would trade in an old piano they already had, but it wasn't that they had bought it from us because they'd had they, it. For they like need another one for their years. lake house and their uh, vacation house in Tahoe, right? Like, that's yeah, about it. maybe.
Well, those, those clients and customers are few and far between. Now I did have one guy that, um, uh, that was a very well-known, uh, uh, business founder when I was in Washington, DC that, that bought two grand pianos from us. He came in and used his black card and, and spent 75 grand and then came back a few months later and bought one for his girlfriend. And I was like, wow. Okay. So that's how that goes. Now there's, you know, there's, a uh, there's a, other things to be considered too. Like, so when I worked in the music industry and I used to work for Roland and they made, so I watched this metamorphosis from the brick and mortar store to the e-store come in and the comp and the advertising competition was so fierce because everyone sold the exact same thing. Like, you know, so there's, there's sometimes a point of diminishing returns where you just simply have to look back and, and say, this isn't worth it. We're making no margin or we're losing money. And sometimes like, uh, so, you know, I like watching these gold shows, like where they mine gold. I'm just so fascinated at how, how much effort they go through to fill like a jar with gold, you know, yeah. and like all the effort. Now they often refer to gold fever because people first see the gold and they, they get gold fever. They just want more, 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 more. And they're willing to just keep going and going and going. And the problem is, is they end up running out of money or they go broke because either they don't find the gold and it was really expensive or they overspend what they can, what they can get back. So you got to make sure, I think part, one of the things with making an adjustment to a marketing plan is asking yourself in some ways, do I have gold fever? Am I just obsessed with, with any of it? Cause eventually it all has to balance out unless I guess, unless you're the federal government, then you just keep spending. <laughs> they just <think laughs> right? but, yeah. But the rest, the rest of us either, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said there. So, I mean, okay. So, when you go to make an adjustment, do you just throw the baby out with the bathwater or like, do you, is it a good idea to change the entire strategy or just part of it or? Well, you definitely got to have something to baseline off, right? You're like, if you're doing content marketing, you're like, Hey, this is what we've been doing. This is the results we're getting from it. And then being able to make changes and have something to compare back to, right? Like having some sort of baseline is important. Um, cause you don't want to just randomly change crap all the time and you really don't know if it works or don't, you're like playing whack-a-mole and you don't, you have nothing to compare it to. Yeah, I agree. I think that, I mean, I think that if you're going to throw out your whole plan, then it needs to be because the whole plan sucked. Um, I don't have any problem with throwing out all the parts that don't work because you keep 20% of it that's highly effective. I think that's a good idea in a lot of cases, um, especially if you're trying to figure out what your traction channels were at all. You know, it's like, I mean, I, I don't know if that question has a definitive answer, but, and you know, Matt, you can think about that for a second while I remind you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Now, um, we, we've, we've settled in, um, I, you know, like our marketing plan and our strategy for that is, is interesting. Um, it's, you know, the, there's, there's a bunch of people that seem to email me, contact me, message me regularly wanting to sell me web development services, which I kind of chuckle at. Sometimes if I'm, <laughs> sometimes if I'm, at, sometimes if I'm grumpy, I'll just reply. I'm like, you know, I'm your competitor. Right. Um, but they're kind of, they're blanketing things out there, but you know, like overall there's a ton of competition for stuff and we, t we've taken a different route and we, we, we believe, I mean, you and I and the other people that at the full scale organization, that the best way to, we, it, to, provide value is exactly that provide some kind of value. So creating content, it's like this podcast, 
you know, like we hope you get something beneficial out of listening. We hope you learn something. I mean, I talked to a lot of people that have listened to the show. And by the time that they're inquiring about full scale, they mentioned that they've listened to the show a lot. They feel like they know a lot about us or about the company. And, you know, that's that. I mean, sometimes the effective strategy isn't always around like, hey, let's buy ads. It's sometimes just doing something a little different or making some other improvements. Well, it depends on your what your traction channels are, right? To to that example, it could be just referrals. It's like we just keep doing what we're doing, and we're doing, and we get we just get referrals. And you you mentioned earlier about throwing the whole the whole plan out the window, and um, we actually did that at Stackify at one point in time. Like in the early days, we were trying to do pay per click and stuff, and banner ads. Like we were running banner ads on Stack Overflow, and which is a big developer site, and 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 Google and stuff. And I want to say we were spending like 30, 40, $50,000 a month on, on ads and we're not getting a lot out of it. And we literally just stopped doing all of it. And that's where we decided to focus on content marketing. And then we built a free tool that we gave away. That was a lead generator. And we just totally changed, like totally pivoted our entire go to market strategy. Um, and then even with our content marketing, you know, it's one of those things we kind of did for a while. And then we, we, we would always, I would always look at it and I'm like, man, we randomly wrote this blog post like three years ago that people sign up at, as like customers like every week from this thing. Maybe we should do more of that. Like how do we improve that, right? Like that's the thing is sometimes you dabble with some things and figure out what works and what doesn't. But once again, it's about the conversion and seeing yeah. where and where it's at. By the way, when I first met you, the very first time I ever sat down with you, you were telling me about how you had you wanted to break your addiction to CPC ads. And you were telling me that you were spending 30 to 50 grand a month on, I mean, everything from Twitter to like you said, Stack Overflow. Yeah. And you were uh, you were explaining to me that you thought that maybe content and blog marketing, and I had a, had a bit of a history with that myself. And we had a, had a conversation about it. Now, one thing I will tell you, and, and for those of you listening, CPC ads, I often compare to crack. Uh, because yeah. they get you high really fast. They, it, you'll find yourself broke and wanting more later. And, you know, that's the thing is with some types of advertising, I think it's also important when you go to pivot or change your plan. So Matt, when you pivoted from spending 40, 50 grand a month on CPC ads and then created what we refer to as evergreen content, Th that and that was more of an investment than an expense. Yeah. So long-term play. Yeah, and I think that that's an important part when you look at there's and there's a different there's a time for each of that. Like you know, in the because uh, those kind of plays are difficult. They they take a long time. You have to create the content. You have to publish it. It has to get picked up. Your site gains authority. Like a whole lot of stuff. It's not a quick fix. It's not it's not the crack of marketing. No. Uh, it's, it's more like the, uh, the, what, like the 12 year whiskey or something like that. Is that the five year well, bourbon like, <laughs> and full skills, uh, blog gets uh, quite a bit of traffic and it's up 50% over the last six months, Yeah, which is a lot. Right. And the, the it's kind of like you get a snowball effect, right? Like you, it just slowly picks up more and more momentum and it, and it starts to really go. But yeah, you're absolutely right. When you first start, like, <laughs> you start throwing a lot of stuff on the wall and it's easy to get uh, disheartened because you're not getting a lot of instant success from it. No different than starting a podcast or a YouTube channel sure. or anything else, right? Yeah. And yeah. content, 
a lot of times you, you got to build up the reputation and for blogging and stuff, it's a reputation with Google. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned being up 50% over six months. So let's say that we were getting 30,000 visits a month. That means that literally we would just be adding up like something like 2,500 visits a month. It doesn't feel, yeah. it doesn't feel super sexy. It, you know, like when you look at 30 days, you're like, oh, wow. So we went from 20,000 to 22,000. But, but once again, all those visits don't mean shit unless they're converting into something. So exactly. some of that, so some of that now with that in the last couple months, we've seen, we just recently over the last two months have seen our inbound lead volume uh, triple. And it has no, it doesn't have anything to do with the traffic. The traffic, the traffic's slightly helpful, but it didn't, it wasn't triple worthy. The right. adjustments that we made were more about, so this is, this is a thing that people will say a lot. They'll say, well, I tried CPC ads and I got 300 clicks and no one bought anything. And I'm sitting there thinking it's not the ads fault. It's your fault, right? It's about what, what happens when, after someone clicks. So in our case with the blog, we yeah. just needed to have a bet. We, we were trying to do a better job of getting people to a point where they were onboarding into the management platform we've built at full scale for our clients and that platform. Uh, and we did that through just some simple, like, you know, just uh, better calls to action, trying different things. Um, also doing stuff like we at one point were collecting leads so we could then turn around and email those people and ask them to do the same thing. We now ask them to just do right on the site. Yeah. So removing steps from the buying process and the conversion process, I think is, uh, is a marketing adjustment. Technically it's a sales and marketing adjustment, but yeah. part of your marketing is the experience that comes after the click. And I got to tell you what, man, there are, I mean, there are some people that have brilliant advertising and like ungodly terrible user experience or landing page after that, you know, it's like you go to all you you get the click and you just go to, it's like a page with a contact form. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, wow, this is the yeah, best you could do somewhere. What are versus, some, what are good? I was gonna say versus I'm, I'm watching TikTok and I see some cool ad for something and I click on it and then somehow or another, because I bought something in the past, it like automatically knows who I am and has all my information and my credit card. And it's like one more click and I bought something. That's a bad, that's bad. <laughs> it's good for them. It's bad. for It's me. good for them, but bad for you. I mean, Amazon, yeah. Amazon's whole economy yeah. is like that. You know, I yeah. mean, that's the whole thing. It's like, we actually talked about that because I was taught of all people, of all startup people, I was talking to startup hustle TV cast member and go to YouTube and type in startup hustle and you can watch the videos we've put out. But Eric Perkins wanted to sell more merch and we talked about it and we were like, dude, you should just put it on Amazon <laughs> and that's where we'll direct people to. Cause that way you don't have to fulfill anything. Yeah. And like everybody has an Amazon account. Like if you're out there and you still, and you're in the United States and you still just don't even have an Amazon account. I'm not even sure I want your sale. My, my mom is like the least technical person you'll ever meet. And, uh, she knows how to order groceries online and use Amazon now, which is terrifying. Like it finally, <laughs> that wave of technology innovation finally got there like 20 years later. Yeah. When I think about my dad, I'm like, this could be good. And it could also be really bad, you know, like, 
because I don't know if if people that old are immune to the you know it's like gold back to gold fever it's like buying fever it's like you're one click yeah. away can you can you control it so yeah um, okay so all right so some other things when it comes to the adjustments like I mean if you're going to implement stuff I mean I think that you know I think one of the things with the plan you can look at is like well did you actually follow the plan. And give it enough time to be successful. Sure. Right. I mean, I think that's what you establish up front. You know, some of it, like, now look, if you, it, I, there's no nobility in saying, hey, I'll st- I, I'm going to give this 90 days. And you realize a week into it, you're like, oh my God, I'm paying five times more a click than I can, perf- than I can afford. Eh, I'd probably turn that off. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I turn that off, but maybe not an hour later. So when it comes to, you know, like I think some of the things is you look at the plan. Did you stick with the plan? Um, You know, ask yourself why. Um, I think that I think that more and more and, you know, we were just talking about this, but more and more, the more steps that you have on anything, the less result you're going to get. You know, now that's not always that's not always a bad thing, though. Well, I think you also have to come to the realism and, and I don't know if this is just a, a a a rule I follow or if it's really an industry rule but I feel like half of your marketing budget is always completely wasted and you just don't know which half and that's just <laughs> that's just the way it works right? that's yeah that's just that's just the law of marketing half of it is complete waste but you don't know which half I, I think I think it was Simon Sinek's start with why I was listening to the audio book driving down to the office. And I, I think that's I think he was saying that he said it's pretty much a, it's pretty much uh, known that half your marketing budget is is yeah. is ineffective. But knowing which half is the, is the real key. And and and, yeah. <laughs> and it's like the car dealers when you used to just work with car dealers, right? They would spend an insane amount of money on newspaper ads um, advertising in like auto trader magazines, like build magazines and radio ads and TV ads, who the hell knows which ones of those work, right? There's no tracking. There's no way to know if it's a TV ad or a radio ad or the news. You don't know. Like that's not like you have click tracking and stuff like that. Right. Yep. And so well, you like, can you ask, no, you just know you can you're ask. throwing away. Yeah. You just know you're throwing away a lot of money somewhere. You just don't know which one, but you're scared to change any of it. If it just somehow works. Yeah, I've been in that. I've been in that boat before, and you know that's the thing, though. You should ask if you're not already asking. I mean, if you're not, if you're, if it's an online thing, like, I mean, there's ways to convert and track, and then there's just good old fashioned asking. And that you know, it yeah. was actually, you know, me asking uh, incoming uh, leads on, uh, you know, for full scale, you know, because they they we do ask them when they fill out a form, how'd you hear about us, and they often say you know, search engine, they often say start a puzzle podcast. And then one thing, because I asked, I started noticing was that we were getting a lot of a lot of incoming leads that were coming directly from people that had worked at companies that had used full scale and were now going to another company. Yes. And it's like a completely different type of referral. Yeah, you know, so you like how to that scale was that marketing channel. <laughs> I was thinking, I, I was already, I was already thinking about it. You know, I was like, wow, do I have How to I like, get all sh- customers sh- fired from their current job? So they have to go somewhere. Or, or you have to look for job changes in people <laughs> that work at company. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know no, where to start with that. that. And like, that was, that was a great thing for us at, at Venn Solutions back then, because 
who the hell works at the same car dealership for more than like six months, right? And so they were everywhere. All, yeah, so that that was huge for us then. But in um, at Stackify, we saw that too, right? It was we were, you know, I ran that business for nine years, and we definitely saw over the time you, you people leave and they take you with you, and that's a great testament to your product and service too, right? If they take you everywhere they go. So I think this is this is worth talking about. If we're going to talk about making marketing adjustments, I I think you know how do you determine who makes the call? Hmm. Whoever writes the check, I guess. I mean, maybe. I mean, on some of it, and it depends how big your company is. But like, I mean, the, I think that it, have you determined? Have you clarified and defined like what is an acceptable result? Because I, I think if you get, if you leave these decisions to the wrong people, you could very easily be grossly overspending. Yeah, absolutely. Or probably pretty easily kill things that are working. Well, and for sure, if you're like, hey, Mr. Marketing, dude, you got 50 grand a month, figure it out. Right. And then like, he has no idea what he's doing. That's pretty much the worst way to approach the plan, isn't it? That's probably the way it goes in most corporate places, though. So what's the right? So in, in a world of, of tech companies, and we're talking about starting new ones, uh, you know, how do you break into a market where there's already a bunch of competition? Yeah, I mean, that's hard to, um, to stick out, right? You're in that red ocean where there's there's blood everywhere. Everybody's fighting for the same food. And uh, is that to, the red ocean? Is that referred to as the red ocean? Yeah, you want to be in the blue ocean, right? Where there's there's nobody else there but you. You're just floating along. Yeah, Epis- it, episode twelve: Be a coward, right? Yeah. Is that li- what Lyra Holt told us? Now we're, we're going to take Lyra as credible because he sold one of the largest franchise chains of anyone I've ever met. But you know, he said that he he uh, his approach to bu- building businesses and marketing is to be cowardly. Meaning like going somewhere where he'll be left alone to get to do something no one else is doing and get really good at it. And I mean, I think that that's something when you talk about marketing adjustments is like, so I didn't at full scale when it came to the Startup Hustle podcast and also when it came to like our content marketing, the evergreen effect. Okay, so if we have to advertise for what we do, uh, for those of you listening, this is real. Sometimes the clicks can be like 20, 30, $40. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, think about and, like in your yeah. old days, right? In the ticket business, like what does it cost per click to sell a Super Bowl ticket? A lot. A lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot, a lot. Yeah. Um, one of the yep. biggest ones is actually college. College. Colleges pay oh, I bet. an absurd amount of money because, you know, you're going to pay like $200,000 in debt for that education. Good luck with that. Yeah. They'll pay a ton of money for leads. Some of them that's are probably absurd. part of the re- that's probably part of the reason it's 50 grand a year to go to college because they they need to spend 20 percent of that to get the next batch yeah. of students in. some of it's absurd, yeah so man. i mean really in the end i think it comes down to if you don't understand the basics of your business then you can't really begin to describe what what uh, an acceptable result is but matt that's super hard for a brand new company because like we went through this with gigabook years ago when we were doing some of the ads like so what percentage of of okay so how much is an average account worth 
How long do they stick around? How many months do they need to be subscribers before we you break even? One of the things with software that we we kind of arrived at as a a decent number was and and this sounds crazy, but you should have for every conversion you get to a paid user, kind of the the uh, the C grade uh, was like a tw- like ten to twelve months like 10 to 12 months of subscriptions for an average account should cover the cost of that user. Right. The, so, it, yep. so if it was, so if you got it back in five or six months, then that was uh, like an A. And if it yeah. took more than that, that might've been like a D or an F. Like what, what are some, have you had discussions with other tech founders that, that have revealed some of that? You know, I don't remember what all those industry standards were, but I think what you just said was about right. And, um, for, for what's common and yeah, it's, you know, you have to think about what are your customer acquisition costs? You have to think about what is long, the lifetime value of the customer too. Right. And then what is that, you know, payback, you know, break even period, right? Like you just described. Yeah. And that's going to be different. That's going to be different. And then also like there are certain things, certain types of software that are super sticky. I mean, super sticky because you know, it depends on who you're selling to. Like if you're a straight up B2B software platform that has enterprise users, like for example, I've, uh, you know, I used to manage a chain of retail stores a very long time ago. And I think the most dread, we had a terrible point of sale system, but we would literally talk in our meetings that the amount of effort, energy, time, and fuck ups that would exist with trying to swap that out across 80 stores in eight different States would have been like, was it even worth it? And that goes back to your whole point is if you have a new product, if it's not three times cheaper or three times better, you're going to have a very difficult time getting people to even adopt to it. Yeah. Especially if it's hard to switch. And you're absolutely right. Like the last thing anybody ever wants to change is like a point of sale, an accounting system, a phone system, like HR system, payroll, like, like, I don't care if I can save a hundred dollars a month. Like there's like a hundred nightmare headaches with this bullshit. Why would I do this? Right. And yeah, especially if you're trying to compete in any of those things, forget it. But if you can build a product that has that kind of stickiness to it, oh man, the lifetime value of a customer is so good. You know, speaking of sticky products, I finally got the last item out of the storage locker from the Gigabook office I had almost four years ago. Did you find any gold in there too? No, but actually I found a, I, I found a silver dollar. I'll take yeah, it. but that oh, didn't what? that didn't make up for like the eight thousand dollars that I paid. You talk about <laughs> stickiness, though, but yeah. that's the thing. It's like, and it was kind of fun. So I, I I couldn't move all my stuff. I didn't have enough when it was when I moved into the office at Stackify, and we had uh, just a little bit of extra stuff. And the easiest thing to do because I had to, I was selling my building and I needed to be out of it. And uh, yeah, yeah, I told myself it, it was I was always a month away from cleaning that thing out. Now that said, you know, that by the way, I just saw a storage unit place by my house. There was no sophisticated advertising. There was no cost per click. There was no radio ad. There was literally a sign on the street and it was a proximity thing. And that's back to like you said about the car dealer stuff. Like, are you going to sell two more cars? And would you have maybe sold this anyway? Cause some things just in this day and age don't require a, a hell of a I lot can- of marketing. I can tell you in a, in a physical presence business like that, you know what the number one thing is that sells those things that car dealers that they go up in the air and they float around and they, they wiggle and shake. Oh, the wavy arm guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's the number one thing. Just get, just get like three of those. That's it. That's all you need. And a bigger sign maybe. 
that's it. That that wouldn't work for a tech company, I don't think. Maybe in San Francisco, like you said. And I noticed the same thing. There's like billboards just on the highway end from the airport. And like yeah. you're like you're like, wow. Or I bet that's pretty... or Slack or yeah. like stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Silicon now, Valley. Now I mean some of those things can afford it though. I mean, that's a you talk about like is it, are you advertising to people that are are going to be your client for 10 years. It, it was funny because you mentioned Slack. It, it had an outage yesterday and I even made a post in Startup Hustle chat that said, I, you know, asking, yeah, I pointed out Slack was broken and I realized like how dependent I was on it. And I was asking the group what they, what they were dependent on. I got really interesting answers like electricity, <laughs> Running <water>. the internet, <laughs> Like, thanks, God, air. <laughs> you know, like, when I have no oxygen, it is difficult for me to Red run my Bull business. So, coffee. Yeah, so th that, now those are legit. Those are <laughs> legit. I can buy that. But, I mean, come on. Yes, without electricity, unless you're running, like, a rafting company, you know, like <laughs> – down like the whitewater rapids or a horseback riding. Speaking I, of Slack, yeah. yesterday my wife asked me, she was on Facebook, I don't know what the hell she was looking at, but she saw this thing come up about Slack, about somebody was like hiding messages in Slack or something, I don't know. She's like, have you ever used this Slack thing before? And I'm like, all day long. All day, all day, about? yeah. I was like, what kind of crazy conspiracy thing did you just find about Slack? And now you're asking me if I use it. I'm like... I live on Slack all day long. Like it's like air and water and electricity to me. True. True. All right. Well, we're here at the end of yet another installment of our, how to start a tech company. Today's episode of startup hustle is brought to you by fullscale.io. Let us help you build that team you want quickly and affordably. Just go to fullscale.io. It's really easy. Give us a little bit of info. We'll take a look at it and we will reply with a lot of info suggestions and hopefully future teammates that can help you build your tech company so matt what what are some of your takeaways from today i think you know as we talked about in previous episodes about go-to-market strategies and stuff i think as a company you always have to be kind of you know thinking about other marketing strategies and what works it could be totally different channels but always you know even if you're just like oh we do online advertising like display and google and twitter and facebook and all these things i think it's just you know, kind of slow and steady test things, right? Like don't take hundred percent of your budget and all of a sudden jump from one thing to the next, like, you know, throw a few dollars at some things, see if it works. I mean, you may not get enough scientific data if you know, if it's a real small fraction of your budget, but you know, test the waters right before you go all in. I think that's my key suggestion. And at the end of the day, you want to try and find as many kind of different channels as you can and uh, not be totally dependent on one of them. So diversification is good. I think my biggest takeaway is you, you just that you probably just need those wavy arm, yes, air fan guys. You yes. know, like that kind of they raise up and they fall down and they raise up and they fall yes, down. They work great. And full page newspaper ads, because how could you go wrong? You know, yeah. uh, I mean, in the end, I think that that really when it comes to adjustments, I just think you got to keep your finger on the pulse of what you're doing. I mean, things that you know, I've just after decades of owning, managing and doing business, like, you know, I think that the kiss of death is expecting something that works now to always work, 
You know, there's always going to make adjustments. You know, while I'm not a New England Patriots fan, I do admire the success that their coaches have. And, you know, he says, if you wait till halftime before you start making adjustments, yeah. then you've waited too long. And, you know, there's, there's, and it really, when it comes to marketing and marketing plans and all of it, I mean, it is amazing how quickly you can run through a ton of cash from not paying attention. Yep, absolutely. So pay attention. I think that's the key. Pay attention to the wavy arm fan guy <laughs> and, and your results. And if you yes. get both of them and they're both working, then you're really, you're in a really great place. So I think that's I a good place buy. to stop, man. You're going to go buy That's why, that's yeah. why we have to end this episode. Cause Matt Watson has to go buy a wavy arm fan guy. Wavy they're probably like three, guy. they're like 300 bucks. You can lease them. I leased $50. them for piano sales, like, like 50 years ago. I found it. It's $50. It's the, you need a good one. The good okay. ones are more than 50 bucks. You need one that's at least like, yeah, that's a little more like it. Or the they're like 30 inflatable tube guy. That's the, how tall is it? How tall is it? Ooh, 20 feet. It's not tall enough. You need to be at least twice that. Okay. If you get it for every 10 feet you add, I guarantee you, you're going to sell two more cars this month. I'm out of here. All right. See ya. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.